Good morning. It's Tuesday, December the 13th. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL 1450, the reliable signal that's been with us for about uh, 76, 77 years now. 1039 FM in Concord, 1019 FM in Manchester and well beyond. And streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. And this program, Kale and Company Live, is presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at nedelta.com or Delta Dental Covers Me.com. Tuesday, December the 13th. It's what, about 20 degrees outside right now, depending on where you are. And it's ice cream day. This is ice cream day. I don't know how December 13th was designated as ice cream day, but, uh, you know, you look at the list of uh, what days are being commemorated. This is ice cream day. And to balance it off, it is also. National Cocoa Day. So you get Ice Cream Day and National Cocoa Day celebrated on December the 13th. I understand the cocoa. Ice cream, I think every day could be Ice Cream Day in my opinion, but it just seems a little strange that it's being commemorated on December the 13th. It's also uh, National Violin Day and National Day of the Horse. So there you go. Those are the uh, things that are being commemorated today on Tuesday, December the 13th. I wish I had uh, better news for you uh, this morning. There is some good news. There is some good news that I have to spread in just a moment or two. But uh, late last night, this uh, story broke. The Minnesota Twins are in agreement with free agent catcher Christian Vasquez on a three-year, $30 million deal, according to uh, ESPN. The agreement is pending a physical. Christian Vasquez, 32 years old, was sought by a handful of teams uh, after compiling a a 714 OPS, that's uh, on base plus a slugging percentage, which is not too bad. Of course, he split last season between the Red Sox and the World Series champion Houston Astros. And you might remember that uh, Christian Vasquez was behind the plate for that uh, no-hitter that the Astros combined for against the Phillies uh, in the World Series. But I I was hoping many Red Sox fans in Red Sox Nation were hoping that the Red Sox who traded Vasquez to the Astros at the trading deadline, we were hoping the Red Sox and Christian Vasquez would reunite, but... It ain't going to happen as the Minnesota Twins signed free agent catcher Christian Vasquez to a three-year, $30 million deal. I think the Red Sox could have done better, could have offered him 12 mil, 12 mil a year, right, instead of the 10 that uh, Minnesota gave him because he would be worth it. They need a catcher the likes of Christian Vasquez who was missed during the second half of last season. Right now, the Red Sox have two catchers with big league experience. Reese McGuire, who actually, uh, after the Red Sox acquired McGuire, did pretty well. Uh, So I'm not going to knock Reese McGuire, but 
I don't think he's a bona fide number one catcher in Major League Baseball. And they have uh, Connor Wong as well. And uh, Wong, uh, you know, not a bad defensive catcher, but he's, he's not going to hit anything. Or not very much anyway. And you have to be concerned because I know this sounds bizarre to folks who don't follow the game uh, very much and uh, may sound bizarre to those who do follow the game. But there are going to be more stolen bases this year in Major League Baseball. Why? Because the bases are bigger this year. Four and a half inches larger than they were last year, which means a couple of things. You get a bigger lead off first base, and you reach second base sooner. And you see some of these plays at second base, base stealers attempting to steal going into second base. I mean, and it's just by like a hair that some of these decisions are made, safe or out at second base. Four and a half inches, that's like a country mile compared to uh, some of the decisions these umpires have to make at second base when a, a runner, a prospective base stealer, is sliding into the bag. So those prospective base stealers will have a bigger edge off first base and a shorter path to second base. So you need someone who is proficient behind the plate and who can throw runners out with proficiency as Christian Vasquez has over the years for the Red Sox and now for well, the Houston Astros, second half of last season, went on to win another World Series ring. And now with the Minnesota Twins, I was hoping he'd come back and don a Red Sox uniform once again, but folks, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. Uh, let's get all the bad news out of the way first, all right? So Christian Vasquez, no longer a pipe dream of Red Sox Nation. And in the NBA last night, Celtics lost their second straight on the West Coast. Clippers beat the Celtics 113-93. Paul George leading the Clippers with 26 points. Kawhi Leonard added uh, 25, played very effectively. Had his best game of the year for the Clippers. Jalen Brown, 21 points. Uh, Jason Tatum, 20 for the Celtics. They dropped to 21-7. and seven. And tonight, they will stay in the same spot, Los Angeles, and take on the Lakers with LeBron James. Celtics take on LeBron James and the Lakers tonight. Celtics 21-17. and 17. And the Lakers, 11 wins and 15 losses on the season. So that'll be uh, tonight, a little after 10 o'clock. Boston Bruins, after their road trip, will return to the TD Garden tonight to take on the New York Islanders. All right, so that's uh, the fact that the Red Sox could not come to terms with Christian Vasquez. I don't even know if they tried. He's signing with Minnesota. Celtics lost last night, but, but, here's the silver lining. Patriots beat the Arizona Cardinals in Monday night football 27-13, game that uh, 
saw Arizona quarterback Kyler Murray leave the game early in the first quarter following a non-contact knee injury. There was no one around him when he went to the ground awkwardly, injured his knee, had to be carted off the field. Colt McCoy took over, the veteran quarterback who's played with almost every team in the NFL in his career. He took over. Patriots running back Ramondre Stevenson was also uh, forced to leave the game early uh, due to injury. But the Patriots came out on top, 27-13. No, I say no team in the NFL has scored more points off turnovers than the Patriots, who are now 7-6. and six. And that was the formula they needed to overcome the Cardinals last night. Safety Kyle Duggar's forced fumble that linebacker Raekwon McMillan returned 23 yards for a touchdown in the third quarter was the turning point in the ball game last night. The Patriots then turned an interception by rookie cornerback Marcus Jones, that man again who plays offense and defense, on the ensuing Cardinals drive into a rushing touchdown. So the Patriots' defense stood tall last night in Arizona. The Patriots have scored 85 points off turnovers, uh, followed by the Eagles with the 80 off turnovers, and the Cowboys also with 80. Uh, McMillan's fumble return for a touchdown was the team's fifth non-offensive touchdown of the season, which ties the Cardinals for the most in the NFL. Uh, without starting running back uh, Ramondre Stevenson, who uh, left early because of an ankle injury in the first half, Patriots had no choice but to turn to rookies Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong Jr. Uh, they were the only healthy running backs left on the game day roster with uh, Damian Harris out of the game with a bad thigh. And both of them scored. Both rookies scored. Kevin Harris and Pierre J- Strong Jr. both scoring touchdowns last night in addition to Raekwon McMillan on the fumble return no one could have ever guessed those three to score touchdowns last night for the Patriots Nick Folk he kicked a couple of field goals as well and the Patriots prevailed as I said 27 to 13 next up Sunday afternoon in Vegas against Josh McDaniels Raiders we will take a break going to have a great guest coming up after the 8.30 break today, and we'll tell you about her and fill you in on some other stuff that's going on right after these words. Kaelin Company live on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Kaelin Company live right here at WKXL nhtalkradio.com a delight to have you along with us and uh, coming up after the 8.30 break uh, this morning here on WKXL we'll be uh, chatting with a very interesting woman and she is uh, Amy Bass PhD and she is going to uh, join us to talk about uh, a lot of things including uh, bring us up to date on the uh, World Cup we haven't mentioned much about the, the World Cup soccer event uh, but uh, it it's it's still it's still a thing. It's still going on uh, in Qatar, despite the absence uh, of the United States. And the uh, semifinal round gets underway today. It'll be uh, Argentina taking on Croatia. That's today, and tomorrow France will take on Morocco. Semifinals. So we'll 
get her insight into that and uh, her assessment of the uh, United States team, uh, what they did uh, in Qatar while they were uh, playing, and uh, also some of the uh, some of the bad things that uh, that happened uh, over there uh, as well. So we'll find uh, find out about that and also talk to her about uh, her book, which is called One Goal. One goal, a coach, a team, and a game that brought a divided town together. And you might be surprised. You might be surprised to hear where that town is located. On some news today, the Securities and Exchange Commission announced that they have brought charges against Samuel Bankman-Fried for allegedly violating the Securities Act and the Securities Exchange Act. The complaint, which was filed today, accuses Bankman-Fried of carrying out a scheme to defraud equity investors in FXT Trading Limited. That was, of course, his cryptocurrency trading platform. The court filing describes the alleged operation as a massive, years-long fraud. The statement goes like this. We allege that Sam Backman-Fried built a house of cards on a foundation of deception while telling investors that it was one of the safest buildings in crypto. That's according to uh, Securities and Exchange Commission Chairman Gary Gensler, part of his statement, which goes on to say the alleged fraud committed by Mr. Backman-Fried is a clarion call to crypto platforms that they need to come into compliance with our laws. Compliance protects both those who invest on and those who invest in crypto platforms with time-tested safeguards, such as properly protecting customer funds and separating conflicting lines of business. It also shines a light into trading platform conduct for both investors through disclosure and regulators through examination authority. To those platforms that don't comply with our securities laws, the SEC's Enforcement Division is ready to take action. So uh, there you go. And uh, he, talking about Bankman-Fried now, will probably, in all probability, wind up behind bars for many, many years, uh, as he should, for uh, taking people's life savings away from them. And uh, we will see how it all plays out, but I would be uh, very surprised if there isn't severe punishment uh, for this unscrupulous individual. This is uh, from uh, Fox News. Uh, U.S., this is an opinion piece, U.S. can't afford Pelosi-Schumer spending bomb. We demand continuing resolution until new Congress. Uh, back in September, uh, Fox News wrote in about the uh, disgust with reckless spending in Washington and the historic inflation it was forcing on American families. In that op-ed, they made clear that for the spending to stop, Republicans must unite in opposing another spending bill and demand that we pass a continuing resolution, a CR as they call it, 
that simply maintains current federal spending levels, not a penny more, until a new Congress begins. And now, with the government funding deadline just days away and the start of a new Republican majority in the House coming in mere weeks, although it is a very slim majority, uh, they are again demanding fiscal responsibility and uh, urging colleagues to stand strong in opposing the Pelosi-Schumer spending bill. So we'll see how uh, that plays out when Congress reconvenes in January with a Republican majority, albeit, albeit a uh, very, very slim majority uh, in the House of Representatives. And, of course, uh, Democrats with a uh, 51 to uh, 49 majority now in the U.S. Senate. So uh, there you go. President Biden will sign the Respect for Marriage Act today in a ceremony at the White House, enshrining into law the requirement for the federal government to recognize same-sex marriages performed in states where they are legal. The bill won approval in the House of Representatives 258 to 169 after the Senate passed it 61 to 36. Supporters of the bill have hailed it as a safety net in the event the Supreme Court reverses a ruling that says the Constitution guarantees the right of same-sex couples to get married. But some progressive Democrats say the bill doesn't go far enough and that the religious liberty protections are too limiting to the law. Washington Post columnist Jonathan Capehart, who married his husband in 2017, said in a column that he supports the bill, but admitted that the more closely he looks at it, the more my joy diminishes, said uh, the columnist uh, Jonathan Capehart. What the act does not do, does not do, is require states to issue marriage licenses in contravention of state law. The Respect for Marriage Act does not go so far as to require states to permit same-sex marriages, which is what has some progressives disappointed. Instead, it requires the federal government to recognize same-sex marriages performed in states where they are legal. So uh, there you go. That's one of the things that's going to happen today, and you'll be hearing uh, more about that. And uh, former Major League Baseball pitcher T.J. House played in the majors for four years and was in the the minor leagues until 2018. On Thursday, the uh, former pitcher came out as gay and announced he is engaged to his partner. House made the post as an expression of gratitude toward Congress Uh, passing the Respect for Marriage Act. House said, It's a simple word, one that carries much weight and meaning. He wrote in a Facebook post, Each of us defines love in a different way, but at the core we all just want to feel the same, to be loved by someone who only wants the best for you, walking the trials of life side by side. Some say we choose who we love as if love doesn't pop out of the darkest corner of your life when you least expect it, and throws you into a magical spell that uh, pulls you out of loneliness. Uh, House went on to say, I've struggled my entire life with being comfortable in my own skin. 
I have purposefully distanced myself from people for the sake of trying to protect myself. It's disheartening how one simple thing can change an individual's opinion of you in a matter of seconds. It has taken me years to wake up every morning and tell myself that you are loved, the one that's deep down inside that you've never truly let out. So uh, there you go. T.J. House, a former uh, big league pitcher with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays and other uh, major league uh, baseball teams. And uh, in another story of note, retired neurosurgeon and former housing and urban development secretary, Dr. Ben Carson, reacted Monday to the news that his name is being removed from a high school in his hometown of Detroit. According to a Fox News column by former HUD chief of staff, Andrew Hughes, the Detroit school board voted to change the name of Benjamin Carson High School of Science and Medicine, despite an administrative recommendation and student poll to keep the name. But the school board prevailed, and Dr. Carson's name, a man who has accomplished so much in his life, came from nothing, really, and has accomplished so much. His name has been taken off that high school in Detroit. It's, it's very disheartening, very disheartening. We will take a break and uh, return with our guest after the uh, aforementioned break, Dr. Amy Bass. And uh, she will talk about any number of things, including the World Cup and her new book. Right here on Kale & Company, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. They have individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at anydelta.com or Delta Dental Covers Me. Back after these words on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock at NHTalkRadio.com. Uh, joining us this morning here on uh, Kale and Company is uh, an author, sports commentator, and a professor of sports studies at Manhattanville College in New York, Amy Bass, Ph.D. Amy, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Good morning. Well, it uh, is great to have you with us. And uh, let's talk a little soccer first, if you don't mind. <laughs> sure. Uh, the semifinal round of the uh, World Cup being played uh, today and tomorrow, uh, 1 o'clock on Fox TV, both games. Uh, today, Argentina-Croatia, tomorrow France and Morocco. Uh, what are your thoughts heading into the uh, semifinals? Uh, my thoughts are that I, I didn't necessarily think that we would be here talking about these teams in this configuration, um, but it's it's pretty exciting. It's exciting from a sort of political point of view if we're looking at Morocco, France, the history of those two uh, countries. And if we're looking at Croatia, Argentina, we're looking at two of the, the best soccer players in the world, Messi versus Modric. So I don't think it's going to be boring. It won't be boring. That that is that is for sure. And again, uh, one o'clock both days. That's that's the time I, I like all games to be played. Like around one o'clock uh, in the afternoon. And uh, so, 
Uh, what are your takeaways uh, from the performance of uh, the United States uh, men's team in, in Qatar? Well, I think that it's really important to remember that it's been eight years since we saw the U.S. men's national team on the World Cup stage. They failed to qualify in 2018. So so it's sort of one of those moments when we can say it's just an honor to be nominated. Um, the fact that they sort of scrapped their way back is, I think, significant unto itself. The fact that they made it into the knockout round was just sort of gravy. Um, so watching, you know, they, they were one of the youngest squads to land in Qatar. They were the youngest squad in the knockout round. And so I think watching young talent is always an exciting thing. And, you know, then, then it ends, right? The road of a young team often ends before you want it to. Um, but I think they went home with a, with a lot to be very proud of. Yeah, I think that's uh, very true. I know there were some people out there who were, you know, disappointed that they didn't make it farther in the, in the tournament. But, uh, you know, I thought they, uh, you know, played very, very well and uh, did, as you said, exceeded uh, the expectations of many. So, North America will be hosting the World Cup in, in 2026. Uh, who are the, some of the Americans that are on the team now that, uh, you know, hopefully will be uh, on that squad in 2026? Well, I think every single one of them could be on that squad. I think that one of the things that we are finally starting to see is depth in on the men's side in the United States, something that we've had on the women's side for a long, long time. Um, and so I think, you know, you look at the likes of someone like Gio Reina, who's been a little bit controversial in headlines for the last couple of days. You know, he's a soccer legacy kid, and, and the United States hasn't had a whole lot of those. So I think that when we, uh, when we look at 2026, absolutely any of these kids – uh, could be on that team. I think that we've seen some extraordinary leadership in someone like Tyler Adams. You know, it's there's there's just any any one of them. Now they are that young that uh, you know all of them certainly could be back uh, in uh, in 2026. What was it a mistake uh, years ago uh, for FIFA to award the games to Qatar? Uh, it's amazing how long ago that is. I, I looked back and, and realized I was writing about that, you know, FIFA sort of falls apart over, over the granting of the World Cup to Qatar. It's when, when you know, hotels are being stormed and aristocrats were being marched to jail and, and suddenly the, the United States uh, Justice Department folks were getting involved. So I think that it was, there's, there's two ways to look at it. One, how it happened, which we know is enormously corrupt as so much of this kind of decision making is, and then the actual place that they chose. Um, so there's, there's two ways to sort of unpack whether or not it was a mistake. FIFA has a lot of explaining to do in terms, continues to have a lot of explaining to do in, in terms of how these things happen. Um, so whether or not it was Qatar is sort of the product of that. Uh, very true, and of course, we we read about the uh, the building of the stadiums there, and uh, how many casualties uh, there were uh, during that process, and certainly some of the uh, limitations uh, that were put on uh, fans attending the games, being a, a Muslim country. So, uh, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know. Uh, the 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 eventual feedback, but uh, you know, I, apparently, they, I, I think FIFA probably regrets regrets what they did. Uh, you know, what a dozen years ago now, and uh, it's 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 played out though, and uh, and uh, the the ratings in in this country have have been very very good on television. 
Well, I think that, you know, the United States continues to sort of, quote unquote, discover soccer, which is which is almost silly to say because it is the world's most popular sport. It's a beautiful game. You know, it's a fascinating thing to watch. I think one of the things that we often hear from Americans, my dog is about to go crazy, so I'm going to just apologize to you for that. It's okay. Um, but the, uh, you know, it's low scoring. It's this, it's that. And I think one of the, one of the amazing things about soccer is that it's a low scoring game. It is that hard to score a goal in soccer. Um, but I think, yes, ratings are good. The men's side is finally getting some name recognition in terms of who's on the pitch. And, you know, whether or not FIFA regrets the granting of it, you know, looking at the body count of, of the building of the stadiums, um, looking at, you know, what happened with Budweiser in the, in the days leading up to the games with the banning of alcohol, certainly human rights questions surrounding Qatar, uh, LGBTQ communities, um, women in Qatar. But then we look forward to 2026, and, you know, the world has some things to say to the United States. So I think that, you know, one of the things that these mega sporting events do is they put a lot of really important questions on the global table. Um, so, you know, how much are, is gun control or gun regulation or gun, gun danger going to be a question for other countries uh, when the United States is one of the three hosts of 2026? Yeah, no question about that. And, of course, there was a tragedy at the World Cup several days ago when uh, soccer journalist uh, Grant Wall uh, passed away suddenly in his, his late 40s. What did he mean uh, to the soccer world? Um, well, he meant a lot to me. Um, Grant was a, was a tremendous human um, and, a, and a just overall good guy, and, and you'd be hard-pressed to find any of us who would say otherwise about him. Um, incredibly generous. And just, you know, I, I would call, and this is a compliment that I would put to anyone who investigates and writes and, and you know, is so prolific, he was a bulldog. Um, he was scrappy and persistent and progressive, and his career reflects that from his time at, at Sports Illustrated to the challenges he made to FIFA uh, to the, you know, the piece that he published the day before we lost him about, again, you know, putting, putting questions front and center to FIFA and Qatar about, you know, the body count of the stadiums uh, and, and human rights issues. Uh, he was detained in the early days of this World Cup for wearing a rainbow shirt. Um, his brother, Eric, is, is a member of the LGBTQ community and his husband, um, and and so I think you know that that just speaks volumes about about who Grant was um, and and what he means to to not just those of us who knew him but uh, but also those of those who read him. Right, and he was on the uh, the soccer scene for uh, many many years, and uh, you know brought it to light in in this country in, in many respects. And uh, you know his uh, his presence will will be felt for a long time to come because he he certainly uh, has uh, volumes of uh, of material out there. And uh, we will remember him uh, very fondly. And then yesterday, another uh, journalist, a photojournalist this time, uh, from a local outlet passed away. So a couple of members of the media uh, having passed away during the the course of the World Cup uh, in Qatar. Uh, Amy Bass is with us, and uh, she is a, a sports commentator. And I understand you covered eight Olympics for NBC. Yes, yes. The other, the other mega, the other mega sporting event of uh, of our of our globe. Right, right. and uh, so you, you covered eight of them. You you won an Emmy award for uh, live event turnaround at the uh, London Olympic Games. Yes, yes. 
Yep. A lovely, a lovely trophy to have on one's mantle. Well, of course, I mean, not, <laughs> not many of us have Emmys. Uh, that, that's 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 for sure. But uh, can you hold on? We have to take a quick break. Can you stay you with us? You bet. All right, Amy Bass is with us, PhD from uh, Manhattanville College in uh, in New York, and we'll talk about uh, at least uh, one of the books that she has uh, written coming up after we take a break here on uh, Kale and Company live at WKXL NHTalkRadio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and we will be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company live for this Tuesday. Great to have you along with us. And joining us today is Amy Bass, Ph.D. from Manhattanville College in New York. Mentioned that Amy worked eight Olympic Games for NBC, won an Emmy for live event turnaround. What what, what does that mean exactly? What does what that uh, tell us uh, that, that are not familiar with some TV lingo what that means? <laughs> I don't even know if I know what it means. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, doing live event turnaround just means that you are you're packaging and putting things out immediately, right? That you're at a live event and you're turning things out. Um, my role is to at the Olympics is to supervise what's called the research operation, um, which is kind of the brain of the broadcast. Uh, just making sure that that we. Everything starts there and ends there, right? That we see the stories as they're emerging, and then before they go on air, we make sure that everything is is correct and right, and the and the narrative works. Um, so it's a it's a frenetic, crazy place where I have you know experts on sports, uh, language experts, geopolitical experts, you know, all of the different things that make an Olympic Games what we want to watch, basically. Yeah, a lot of work goes on behind the scenes that nobody ever sees, but uh, uh, you were rewarded for it, and that, that is terrific at the uh, London Olympics. What was your favorite? Did you have a favorite among the eight that you uh, covered? Oh, my goodness. Well, I met my husband at uh, the Sydney Olympics in Australia, so I suppose I should say that one. Um, My first was Atlanta, so, you know, that first Olympics, I don't think I blinked for a month just taking it all in. Um, But I will say that London was, was spectacular in so many ways. Um, it just, it, it was, you know, I love London as a city. I loved being able to live there, uh, and do the games. And it, uh, it was just a, it was just a really beautiful, it was a beautiful couple of weeks. Well, that is, it, it certainly looked it from, from afar. No doubt about that. Uh, your latest book is, uh, entitled one goal, a coach, a team, uh, and a game that brought a divided town together. I think some of our listeners would be, uh, surprised to hear, what town that was? <laughs> that, that, that town is Lewiston, Maine. Um, not not terribly far from where you no, are. Not I, at all. Uh, I am Massachusetts born and bred, so I'm I'm New England throughout. Um, and went to Bates College, which is in yeah. Lewiston, Maine, and right where this there. story takes place. So it was uh, it was an incredible experience to be able to. Uh, to write about New England in a way that it's changing um, in terms of new populations that are settling there in Lewiston, Maine. Uh, I told that story through soccer. Right. So just give us a little background uh, on the book. 
Sure. Um, Lewiston, Maine has become home for thousands upon thousands of Somali refugees uh, in the last 15 or so years. And in 2015, we saw the high school soccer game, which had uh, all but one on the starting roster was a refugee uh, from an African nation. And uh, they brought the city its first state championship title in soccer. So it's, uh, again, it's the story of, of the change that this city is going through, um, through the lens of this, this high school team and uh, the way, you know, prejudices within a community, um, the increasing diversity of a community is, is, can be divisive, but, uh, but soccer brings, can, can help bring it together. Well, I, I have not read the book as yet, but I uh, am looking forward to it. And I hope that was a hard sell, and yeah, now you'll it, pick it, it up. No, no, <laughs> no it, it's it's fascinating, and uh, and uh, looking looking forward to reading that uh, along with uh, how many books have you written in total? That was my fourth book. Fourth um, one. Yeah. That was my fourth book, and it was um, it, it's it, it's it's got a big piece of my heart now, um, and and really, and this will I think appeal to you. It's it's about how a hockey town makes room for soccer, and and I think we could all use a little bit of, of skill in, in making room for other people at this point. Yeah, and, and of course, also uh, famous for that uh, uh, Sonny Liston, uh, yeah. Cassius Clay fight many, many years ago. Yep, Muhammad yeah. Ali yeah. at what yeah. is now yeah. the Androscoggin yeah. Coliseum, which is the hockey yes. arena in town. Right, yeah, e- exactly, and uh, one of the most controversial fights of, yep. of all time. Yep, uh, with one of the most famous photos, Neil yeah. Lifer uh, getting that shot. No, no doubt about that. You mentioned uh, Massachusetts uh, born and bred, as am I. Uh, what, what, we're in Massachusetts. I'm from all the way west in the Berkshires. In the Berkshires. And, yep. and I know, just uh, doing a little background search on you, that you're a Red Sox fan. I, I am. And, I, you know, all roads are leading to people asking me about the Red Sox. We have a little bit of forgiving to do right now, um, which is becoming a common part of being a Red Sox fan. Yeah, it's been a tough, uh, been a tough year uh, in, in general uh, uh, for the Red Sox, not only the season, but the offseason. The offseason, uh, well. exactly. Yeah. Uh, the only solace I can take in it, my I have a teenage daughter who grew up in the the golden the the 21st century golden age of the Red Sox. She really only knew the good, so now she's <laughs> sort of getting that lesson of of what we all know better about. Well, we have be- become kind of spoiled, you know, with four yeah. World Series championships since uh, 2004. Uh, they're having some struggles right now, but you know, you know, ultimately, Amy, that they're going to turn it around, right? I do. I just need them to stop taking away the players that I love. They're breaking. You know, Mookie was really hard to get over. Oh, I, I watched. Yeah, yeah. I watched the Dodgers for that year. We had you know the pandemic and what have you. Um, Xander is you know Xander is just another piece of my heart broken off. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about it, and uh, I I just hope that they they are able to uh, to sign Rafi Devers to a, a long term contract for for just about anything he wants. Because, yes, yeah. I'll chip I'll chip in at this point. You would go oh, well, okay. <laughs> does, does Heim Bloom and, and John Henry and folks uh, know about that? <laughs> I, I hope not, actually. <laughs> so, what are you working on now, Amy? What, uh, another book? Um, there's some things, you know, sort of down the pipeline. I've been, I've been writing a lot of, uh, opinion and editorial places like CNN and, yeah. and doing a lot of radio. So there's, um, I, I will say that, that sport never gives us a shortage of, of things to think and write about. Um, 
So it's uh, you know teaching writing. It's uh, it's a it's a good thing. It's a good it's a good way to live. Yeah, I, I think so. If you can make your money through sports, that's a, that's terrific. That, that is a, a, nothing to complain about there. Correct. So that 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 is great. And uh, so where where can people uh, find you uh, online? What what you're doing? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my website is amybass.net. Super straightforward. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at bassab1. Um, I'm a TikTok, but that's embarrassing, and it's really just to create surveillance on my child. Uh, <laughs> don't look for me there, and uh, post social as well as we're sort of migrating off Twitter and seeing what's going to happen with Twitter. Um, but uh, you can always find me on my website, amybass.net. And have you been able to uh, obtain Taylor Swift tickets yet? I have obtained Taylor Swift tickets, yes, which I'm, oh. I'm, I don't love talking about, but I, I did write about it. So it is public knowledge that I do indeed have uh, Gillette Stadium Taylor, Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, but terrific. they're terrible if it's any consolation. <laughs> they're, they're terrible seats? They're terrible seats, and I'm not complaining. I want to be very clear about it. Oh, okay. But, 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 but you're in there anyway. We are in there, no. yes. All right. We are in there. Congratulations. Thank you. I think it, it, might, it might need to go on my resume as my greatest accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amy, thanks so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ken. Have a great day. All right. You too. Right, Amy Bass, care. and you can find her, as she mentioned, on uh, Twitter, at Bass, A-B-B-A-S-S-A-B, and the number one, and also at uh, amybass.net. Uh, Just after Google her, and uh, lots of things come up, and a very uh, prolific and uh, talented writer, and I, I am looking forward to reading the book, One Goal, uh, which uh, deals with Lewiston, Maine, and the uh, uh, Somali population there that led uh, their high school soccer team to a state championship uh, in the state of Maine and uh, in some ways brought that uh, divided town together. So a uh, terrific piece of journalism there. And uh, thanks to Amy for uh, being with us here today on uh, Kale and Company. And she's working on a lot of other things, working to doing some contributions for uh, CNN, opinion pieces, and what have you. And as you heard, how about that, cat? She was able to secure those hard-to-come-by Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, my gosh. They were probably so expensive, too. Oh, I, I, can, <laughs> I can only imagine. I haven't... I, I, I used to have teenage daughters, but I don't anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I I bet that's going to be so much fun, though. That's amazing. If if you had a a chance, I mean, if if the price was right and tickets were available, would you, you, is that somebody you would want to see? You know, I respect her as a musician and songwriter, but probably not. Uh, (laughs) I'm actually, surprisingly enough, a huge metalhead. I love metal and like hard rock. See, see that is, you know, and and you're an opera singer. And is an opera singer. Yeah. And and have tattoos and love spooky season year round. I'm just a weird egg. You cover. (laughs) like to be different. You cover all the bases. (laughs) Everything. Literally everything. Well, that's good. (laughs) You have many interests. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Taylor Swift, then that was a huge controversy with Ticketmaster and so many people uh, not being able to uh, obtain tickets and uh, uh, the uh, confusion that was created by Ticketmaster and that whole thing. But uh, she's going to make that that big tour. Can you imagine? That's probably uh, going to be the uh, largest grossing tour by uh, a pop artist in history. Oh, absolutely. And she's very smart with her marketing. I think the one thing that I definitely respect 
um, you know, about her as well is her boundaries and, you know, all of the media hate that she was getting for literally just existing. Um, and she took a very necessary break and put it to music yep. and is now sharing it with her fans. And I think that's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. And uh, obviously very, very talented and, uh, and uh, appear, uh, you know, appeals not only to teenagers, but uh, a wide variety of people, obviously. Absolutely. And uh, that's why she's uh, packing them in everywhere she goes and can command uh, just about anything she wants as far as uh, ticket prices uh, are concerned. And uh, <laughs> they are, are pretty hefty. I would be surprised if you could get a ticket for Gillette Stadium much under $700. Yeah. And e- even people with, you know, like uh, like Amy. you think Amy would have connections, right? But uh, <laughs> she has to go through it like uh, everybody okay. else does. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Right. right. But there are still tickets, I hope, available uh, this weekend when you perform in uh, A Christmas Carol, a rendition of The Christmas Carol in, in Laconia. Yes, there are still tickets available, so make sure you grab them before they run out. Check them out. The Colonial Theater in Laconia this weekend starting Friday with uh, our own Cat Martinez.